This podcast is part of a project funded by the European Union. Views and opinion expressed are, however, those of the authors only and do not necessarily reflect those of the European Union. Neither the European Union nor the granting authority can be held responsible for them. Hello and welcome to Eurectives Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Julia Dam, And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Eurectives Agri-Food News Team. This week, uh, Belarus fertilizers and Ukraine grain influx. So welcome back. We started right off the bat there with a, with a kind of tongue twister, the Ukraine grain influx. Um, in general, we have a bit of a, an Eastern European focus this week uh, with yeah, Ukraine, Eastern, with Better Bruce. Yeah, an Eastern global flavor, I'd say. And uh, last week, there was actually a very packed week with uh, events, uh, with uh, institutional meetings. We had the, the gathering of the EU ministers, of EU agricultural ministers in Brussels. We had the, uh, the European Parliament Agriculture Committee meeting. But But we're going to start with something unusual. Plot twist. Yeah. We're going to start on something happened at the European Council. I know that for part of our listeners, EU Council and European Council might look the same, but they're not. Because European Council is the meeting uh, that happened actually twice per semester. Uh, and that put together, bring together all the EU leaders. Uh, so basically, the head of state or the head of governments of the 27 member states. Uh, I'd say it's not that uh, usual that uh, food is part of the discussion. Although after the in the aftermath of the Ukraine war, uh, food security, like we, we say this uh, every week, has become mm-hmm. uh, a hot topic. Uh, and in this case, uh, the EU leaders uh, hosted a very important guest, uh, who's uh, uh, the UN Secretary General Antonio uh, Guterres. Uh, he had just one uh, message to deliver, which is based, which uh, co- which was convincing uh, the leaders to lift the sanctions on, um, particularly on the fertilizers coming from Belarus. This is actually some a news that needs some kind of context because it's a bit complicated. We also covered in the past, as you might remember, uh, there was already some economic penalties targeting Belarus, uh, and in particularly potash. Yeah, we're having this uh, episode without Tash, but we're going to talk about <laughs> potash. We miss her so much that we yeah. <laughs> kind yeah, of pot- included her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, potash is uh, potassium chloride. It's one of the um, most uh, one of the three main chemical nutrients that are used in uh, commercial fertilizers. Uh, the other are, uh, of course, uh, phosphate and nitrogen. And uh, Belarus is a bit of uh, I mean the, the the main reference when it comes to um, to, to to this fertilizer to the export of this fertilizer. Uh, even before the sanctions, it was the, I think, the second uh, biggest export of uh, of Belarus. Uh, the first one, of course, is uh, w- w- it's it's oil. And um, uh, what happened? That 
they already targeted the Belarus, uh, the EU already targeted the Belarus potash experts uh, in uh, June uh, 2022, uh, when uh, when there was, uh, you, you remember, the forced landing of a Ryanair flight in Minsk, uh, which led to the, the incarceration of the opposition activist uh, uh, Roman Protasevich and his girlfriend. They were both traveling to Lithuania and basically uh, the, the again, the, the Ryanair flight was, was forced to uh, a landing in Minsk in order to uh, arrest uh, these two opposition activists. Yeah, uh, interesting to remember that it actually goes further back than the start of the Ukraine war, even though, indeed. of course, that's now taken center stage. Indeed, indeed. So there was there were already a measure against these, um, the export of this uh, uh, of this important fertilizer, then the EU uh, decided to carb completely, uh, like 100% of all uh, the uh, potassium chloride uh, imports from Belarus. Uh, it happened, uh, of course, in uh, in, in March, uh, last March, uh, I mean, one year ago, indeed. And, uh, and this led to a bit of a, how can I say, uh, criticism, particularly for, from a global institution. Uh, it was also part of the propaganda uh, put together by Putin uh, that was basically ac- accusing the EU to uh, contribute to world hunger. Um, this was a narrative that the EU uh, started fighting back. But then the UN and in general and in, in general all the global institution, I wouldn't say that they bought the Russian narrative, but in a certain sense uh, they, I mean at least since last summer they tried to um, convince the EU to ease this kind of uh, restriction. Quite vocal in pushing to lift sanctions that are in any way connected to food. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. The, the EU, of course, uh, in particular the Commission, always rejected this uh, Russian narrative. Uh, they stressed that uh, there is no ban, for instance, on ru- Russian imports of fertilizers. Uh, of course, here we're talking about <laughs> a ban that actually exists, which is a ban on, uh, on um, a, a limit on the, uh, the imports uh, uh, of uh, the Belarus uh, potash, and uh, of course uh, Guterres delivered this message, so um, trying to uh, once again convincing uh, EU to lift sanctions against Russia and Belarus uh, when it comes to food security, in order to ensure food security. Um, to be fair, there wasn't uh, a press point uh, before or even after the the council uh, this lunch that Guterres had with the uh, with the leaders uh what we know from some insiders is that uh, yeah they touched on the topic there wasn't a real uh, discussion it was just a request from uh, from uh, message delivered and yeah, message delivered. We we also know that um, uh, the biggest uh, uh, the, the the countries that um, is most I mean is against this uh, uh, easing the sanctions on Belarus uh, fertilizer is of course Lithuania. Um, they, they're basically blocking all the efforts to 
to decrease uh, to, to lift the restriction uh but I'd say that there's there wasn't a lot of uh, improvement, let's say, when it comes to the discussion. And of course, this is something that's going to be discussed in the coming months, for sure. So there was also another reason to look uh, eastwards this week. Um, and so let's shift our focus a bit to uh, another part of Eastern Europe, which is Ukraine, but also its neighboring countries that are in the EU. So Romania, Poland and uh, Bulgaria. And these countries have been warning for quite some time that um, the Ukraine imports from Ukraine that the EU has been uh, trying to facilitate and trying to help with. Um, uh, have of course been very, very successful for Ukraine and uh, and for the world markets and helping to bring grain out of Ukraine in the face of blockages to do with uh, Russia's invasion. It was also a bit of a success from the EU uh, because they're part of the solidarity lanes, this, uh, um, this project. Uh, it was a way to help, uh, again, the... Uh, Ukrainian products basically they were uh, stuck because uh, you remember in the first uh, actually there's still the, the ports of the on uh, uh, the Black Sea they're blocked by Russian uh, now there's also a deal uh, at UN level between uh, within Russia and Ukraine which is also a bit <laughs> uncertain when it comes to um, it's implement it's basically imp uh, renewed uh, in six months and six months But um, the EU came to the rescue, let's say, and uh, offered Ukraine the possibility to export, uh, particularly the grain, but also uh, oil seeds uh, through these solidarity lanes. No, uh, but uh, yeah, you you were explaining that uh, this caused the problems in the, particularly in the hubs. Precisely this uh, technique or this approach of. Um exporting grain via the neighboring countries of Ukraine rather than uh, via the seaports uh, caused some problems because grain actually got stuck on local markets there, brought down the price, crowded out domestic producers. So producers in countries like Poland or Romania have been warning for quite some time that they're struggling because they just can't sell their produce anymore. Um, and this has been discussed for a few months already, but uh, this week the commission came out with a proposal to help. Um, and this is basically taking money from the agricultural reserve within the common agriculture policy. The famous agriculture reserve that used to be called the crisis reserve. Now yeah. it's just agriculture reserve. I mean, crisis reserve maybe makes it a bit clearer what we're talking about because it's a fund within the common agriculture policy. Yeah, it's basically. Yeah, taken aside and reserved in case something unexpected, some, some crisis. Yeah, if you think about it, I, I don't really like this rebranding. <laughs> uh, I don't even know why. Maybe it's an effort to like, uh, encourage no, more positive thinking. They, 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 no, no longer, they, they changed the... They're no longer linked to... Uh, like, I mean, they have a particular budget line at the moment. So they already put... Uh, this money aside, while well before it was basically based on the financial discipline. So in the end, it, mm. it was coming from uh, direct payments. So for the, mm. from the first pillar. So they basically created another uh, budget line because they decoupled the two. 
and mm-hmm. then they they, they called it in a different way. But still, the it's still uh, we're still talking about uh, this uh, uh, big reserve of, uh, if I'm not wrong, um, four four hundred fifty million per year. Yeah. For of course five years because it's uh, uh, the coming policy started in 2023. It's gonna end in 2027. And uh, again, it can be used to finance exceptional measures uh, mm. to to counteract market disruptions. Yeah, but uh, also important to note that it's really just that amount per year and you have to be careful how you use it. So if you already use it early in the year, it's gone. Indeed. And uh, so that's Indeed. also a bit behind the thinking of the commission because they actually decided not to allocate all of it to these countries um, that are affected now, but just take part of the whole Indeed. amount. Um, and split it between Poland, Bulgaria, and Romania, while uh, Slovakia and Hungary, also um, next to Ukraine, uh, were not included. Yeah, were not included. Then the the commission. I mean, I, mean, I, I I've seen this document, and there was a, a rationale behind this uh, this exclusion because they uh, had this uh, basically oversupply. Um, system like i mean they were uh, calculating the oversupply and uh, and in the end of course slovakia and hungary have been excluded but again this is just for the moment because the as uh, janusz wojciechowski said in the in the uh, in the press conference after the Agri- agrifish council we have reserve for the for this reserve so uh, very the nice uh, nice way to see. put it yeah, but and actually, I mean, it's, it's a bit contentious, the decision of how how money was distributed, how much to whom, because there was also Romania yeah. who didn't get that much. And there's also a rationale, um, which is that uh, in Romania, there was a lot of drought um, last year. And so actually, domestic produ- production wasn't that high. Yeah. And, and it means that they weren't that imp- um, impacted by the Ukrainian imports because actually the imports replaced the low domestic production. So if, again, if you, if you uh, check, uh, it's exactly as you said, if you check this document by the commission, uh, it seems that there's not even a huge impact, uh, but still uh, they made an exception because Romania uh, is uh, is the the main hub for the solidarity lanes, in particular the the, the Constanza port, and uh, they also have this strategic location. So in the end, they, they made an exception. Uh, mm. The Commission Romanian are not that happy. We're talking about ten millions. No, they're not happy. They're not. Um, they're not happy. There was the Romanian President Klaus Johannes, uh, who spoke at the uh, EU Council that we already talked about earlier um, this last week, and. Uh, yeah, he criticized the commission for uh, proposing only this little. Um, and he spoke of the huge sacrifices that Romania ma- made to help uh, Ukrainian grain exports. So um, what you also just explained, being the hub, the main hub. So he said that uh, this money doesn't reflect that role and it's not enough. Yeah, and, and it's also interesting, uh, as you were mentioning, uh, Julia, um, there was... Uh, on Monday last week, there was also the, dis- the dis- discussion uh, called with a very cryptic uh, name, uh, which was uh, market measures, no? Uh, mm. And uh, like in it, advance, you couldn't have told. <laughs> well, you yeah. maybe could have guessed, but uh, yeah, it didn't say what it was actually about. 
Yeah, but uh, indeed, indeed. And, and basically, uh, member states just presented the list of potential uh, problems and uh, suggestion on how to spend this agricultural reserve fund. Like uh, the, Fre the, 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 the French delegation uh, highlighted the, the issues of the sugar beet sector after the, uh, the famous ECJ ruling uh, banning uh, the derogation on uh, certain pesticide use for this crop. Uh, they also mentioned the crisis distillation, which is a very, another jargonish word uh, that means uh, some kind of support for winemakers. Uh, Spain also backed this, uh, the, the idea of triggering the crisis distillation. Italians uh, put forward the idea to use the agricultural reserve fund for um, for uh, avian flu, for treating avian flu in uh, in the country. Uh, to be fair, the first time that the agricultural reserve under this new program was uh, triggered uh, was in November, but actually the the money were earmarked uh, in the in the current budget line, um, and it was from Poland. Uh, and uh, we're talking about in that case help for uh, to to. Uh, fight avian flu. Uh, but the thing is that even crisis distillation, it's something that before was just dealt with uh, in the in the common market organization. So basically the safety net included in the common agricultural policy in case of market disruptions. And uh, in this way, the agricultural reserve is it's a bit of a double of, uh, of this uh, market measure included in the CMO. Um, so it's really like uh, something that we can expect even in the in the year to come. That yeah, in general, you put this this bulk <laughs> of money to the side and it just sits there until people indeed, come with their wish list. What should you use for that year? Because we were used to uh, private storage aid, crisis distillation, this kind of uh, help uh, aid uh, that the commission could actually give to uh, basically sectors in uh, market sector in crisis. Uh, and now you basically have another fund and that could probably establish a different way of communicate of communication between the, the commission and the member states. Uh, this could be again a bit like a list, you know. Uh, we were yeah. with that with an Italian colleague, we were uh, you know just to to give you the uh, the level, the very high level of reference. We were talking about, uh, uh, we were using a reference from uh, Mozart, uh, Don Giovanni, there was a famous... Uh, Usually we do like pop music references. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, it was uh, a tune, uh, Madame Mina, il catalogo è questo, which means uh, this is the catalog, like the, the list, in that case of Don Giovanni, the, the list of... Uh, uh, all the women that uh, Don Giovanni loved. In this case, the, the catalog is just uh, the possible help for uh, European farmers uh, that can be um, they can be basically paid through this uh, agriculture reserve fund. Well, the drama could be up to the level of uh, of an opera. Yeah, indeed. That's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, Your Active's AgriFood podcast was produced by Your Active AgriFood team. That's me, Gerardo Fortuna, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of our podcast producers, Evi Chiori. 
You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify. And of course, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss latest agriculture news from DU, from your Active's AgriFood team. Uh, I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.